The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Hey, so we're going to be talking in this breakout about making wise choices. So this is, pro- this is probably something your parents have talked to you about like this week. Like, hey, you've got to make better choices in your life. Um, so we're going to talk about how to make wise choices like on the today level and on the giant life choices level. Because to be real, not to freak y'all out, but within the next five to seven years, you've got to make some big choices that are really going to kind of steer the ship a little bit for your life. Like, who are you going to marry? What school are you going to go to? What sort of career are you going to get into? Uh, So no pressure, but don't don't screw them up. Uh, It's going to be a big deal. So have y'all ever heard the saying, the choices you make, make you? If not, it's a good saying to keep in mind. The choices you make, make you. Kind of like your life is shaped by your choices. Which is kind of scary, to be honest, in a sense. But if your life is shaped by your choices, what we want to look at is, how can our choices be shaped by Christ? How can our choices be shaped by godly wisdom in God's word? You know, you make about one billion choices every day. And most of them you make without even knowing it. Why did you cross that leg instead of the other one? Why did you walk around the chairs that way instead of that way? What, why do you put this leg in your pants first rather than this leg? Most of the choices that you make, 95% of them are operating in these kind of ruts of habit, and we don't even think about them anymore. But in reality, we're making new habits every day and making those ruts of habits deeper every day by repetition. But in another sense, every choice you make changes you a little bit. C.S. Lewis says this, Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. Now, you can see this in stupid stuff. You can see it in a superficial way with things like exercise, right? If you're the kind of person that doesn't like to exercise, and today you choose to do it, and tomorrow you choose to do it, and the next day you choose to do it, well, every time you make that choice, it's turning you this much into the sort of person that likes to exercise a little bit more. Now, that's a stupid illustration, but it's, it's a real thing that happens. You can see it superficially, but you can also see it morally. Every time you make a choice, you change what you're comfortable doing. You change what you're comfortable thinking. You change what you're comfortable accepting. Your choices change you a little bit. Now, most of your choices probably don't have a moral component. You look at, why did you choose the shirt you wore today? Uh, a red shirt or a blue shirt? Who cares? Like, this doesn't matter morally. Why'd you choose it? I don't know. It was the top one on the pile. I just chose that one. So most of the choices you make don't have a moral component, but it's funny. You change one thing, and now the the shirt choice can have a moral component in addition to a style component. Like, who's wearing that shirt now? But, you know, you think now we've taken the shirt versus shirt choice, and we've made a moral component to, uh, to it too, which is, you know, does this show off your body? Does it get you noticed? Does it make people jealous? It, but you think about Your choices change you. The music you choose to listen to today, it changes you just a tiny bit. The friends you choose to hang out with today, that choice changes you a little bit. That one's easy to see because it's 
the music, it's the friends, it's those things that change you. But sometimes the choice itself changes you. How many of y'all are old enough to drive a car in here? How many of y'all have your license? <laughs> That's funny, because some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm old enough to drive a car. I don't have a license. All right, great, so fair enough. But those of y'all that do drive, you know, choosing to speed, which I'm sure none of y'all do, choosing to speed, that choice changes you a tiny bit. Every time you choose to speed, it changes you into the sort of person who's this much more comfortable breaking the law. Every time you choose to help somebody out, it changes you a tiny bit into a more compassionate person. If you choose to entertain this thought or rather than that thought, in part, we are what we think. Now, we know we're much more than that. But choices often become habits. And what's, that's good and bad because sinful choices become sinful habits. Look at Romans 6. We'll have it on the board. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one who you obey? Either sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Now I'm speaking in human terms because your natural limitations. But just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness... So now, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So really, anybody with the mindset, a little sin isn't a big deal, they're ignorant to this enslaving power of sin that Romans talks about. Now, we know that a believer can't be forever enslaved and happily obeying the sin uh, sin slave master, but there's an element that anybody we present ourselves to as obedient slaves, we're slaves. Here's the thing. This verse says, though, now that Christ has done the work, if you're a believer, now that Christ has set us free, now that Christ has changed our hearts, we are to present our members to righteousness. And this has everything to do with our choices. 1 Timothy 4 says this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Bodily training is of some value. But a godly, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the one to come. This says, train yourself for godliness. How do you do that? Scripture, absolutely. You guys need to be reading your Bibles daily to train yourself for godliness. Prayer, absolutely. You guys need to be praying to train yourself for godliness. But it also has to do with our choices. Here's the reality. Not training for godliness is training for sin. It's training for sinfulness. It's just like this. What do you got to do to be out of shape? Nothing. You're doing it right now. Congratulations. You stay on the path you're on right now and you're getting out of shape as we speak, right? It's like a plant. If you ignore it, it just grows. It's the same thing with sinfulness. Not training for godliness is training for sinfulness. We have to train ourselves through scripture, through prayer, but also through our choices, Because in reality, we're creating habits every day and we don't slouch into godliness. Every day, think about it, you are training yourself for either for purity or for lustfulness. You're training yourself by your choices. You're training for truth or for lying. You're training for humility or for pride. You're training for kindness or for meanness and a billion other things. You're training yourself by your choices. Uh, There's a quote that was It was attributed to Aristotle, but it's really this guy named Will Durant. And he said, we are what we repeatedly do. Now, we know as Christians, we're much more than that because of the Spirit. 
But since we are still in human bodies, there's an element of this that's true. There's an element of this that habits are a real thing. And since so many of our choices are based in these ruts of habits, it's so important to talk habit change. When I, I used to go to camp when I was a kid at this camp in middle Georgia called uh, Camp Kaleo. And uh, it was in uh, Forsyth, Georgia. And what we used to do all the time, don't do this, but unless you want to. Um, we used to play pranks on each other all the time in the cabin. And one of our favorite pranks was we would kite string somebody. Y'all familiar with this? You kite string somebody or fishing line somebody. Basically, one of your buddies is asleep in the bottom bunk or the top bunk. I guess it worked either way. We always did the bottom bunk. But you, f- you get one friend to shimmy under the bed like this, and you get one friend to kind of stand over the person that's sleeping. So you got the guy sleeping in bed. Y'all picturing this? You with me? All right, so you have a kite string or fishing line, and it's so thin that the person who's sleeping can't feel it, right? And so you take this fishing line, you pass it over the sleeping person and hand it to your buddy that's under the bed. And they pass it under the bed and hand it to you, and you just keep rolling them in this kite string. And, you know, they'll, they can't feel it because it's so light. But after about 100 passes, it's impossible for them to get up. So then once you get it good and secure, then you dump water on them or scream or ah, whatever it is, and they're like, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Don't try it, but try it out. It's awesome. So uh, <clears throat> there's a quote by a guy named Samuel Johnson. He says this, the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. They're too weak to be felt like the kite string. Can't feel it until they're too strong to be broken. I mean, so many times when we want to change something in our lives, we really start out with a decision, like a, like a New Year's resolution. We're like, dang it. I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing this. And we start with this mental decision. We say, we're, I'm going to do better. And how does that usually work out? It's usually terrible. It usually works out for two weeks. Then after that, we're eating whatever we used to eat. We're exercising however we used to exercise. Why is that? Charles Duhigg says this, willpower is a muscle that fatigues and eventually runs out. You know, we're, we're usually operating on willpower. You think about ma- making good choices. We usually, we do that on a, on a conscious level, but really a lot of our habits, what we really do day to day, it's on a deeper level. It's on a desires level. It's on a programmed in level. Why do you put this leg in your pants before this one? It's not a conscious decision. It's programmed in. It's what you do, right? Why do you prefer Reese Pieces to peanut M&Ms. It's not a conscious decision. You're not weighing it out. You just want to. Most of what we do is on a deeper level. It's on a want to or a programmed in level. That's why it's so hard to change habits and to make good choices. Here's the real question. How do you change the deep desires that shape our choices? Because think about it. If you try to stop doing something that deep down you really want to do, or if you try to start doing something that deep down you don't want to do at all, you have a conflict between your mind, I want to stop doing this, and your desires, I don't want to stop doing this, and desires always beat thoughts. Desires, what you want, always beat what you intend to do. That's why any real change has to happen on a deeper heart desire level. Ephesians 4 tells us this. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. And a lot of times we say, all right, great. I got to put off this old man and put on this new man. But we forget the phrase that pays in the middle, which says you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the mindset, like your bent, your programmed way of thinking has to change. And this happens once when we come to Christ, but then it happens little by little on a daily level. As you start getting in the habit of reading the scripture, of walking with Christ, of walking in the spirit, your mindset, your deep desires start to change to be more like Jesus's, to where your want to level starts to look more like what Christ wants. Galatians 5 tells us this, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the want to of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit against the flesh. These things are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But as we walk in the spirit, Jesus, the spirit's going to kill some things and grow some others. We have this promise. If we walk in the spirit, stay close to Jesus, that we will not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh. So walking in the spirit is a daily habit of being near to Christ that creates new wants in us. Now, here's the thing. If you have trained yourself for lying, it's going to be hard to turn that ship around. If you've trained yourself for lustfulness, it's going to be hard to turn that ship around. But Christ is with you and will rewrite the deep desires so that you can make wise choices. Really what's happening when we talk about our wise choices, there's a principle in Galatians 6. It says this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows or plants that will he also reap or harvest. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And don't grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. You understand what that means? Every day you're planting with your choices. You're planting with this thought, with this action. And one day you're gonna reap that. You're gonna harvest that. So if we plant the future with our choices today, it's time to start getting thoughtful about our choices. Every culture recognizes the law of the harvest. Some cultures call it karma. Some call it, you know, what goes around comes around. It's a real thing. Just like the laws of thermodynamics, like the laws of the harvest are real. So here's what I want to do. Y'all ready? Here's a little exercise. What I want to do is I want to give four steps for making wise choices today. And then I want to talk about the huge life decision. So four steps. I'm talking about on the, what should I listen to on the radio? What should I watch? What um, social media accounts should I follow? What friends should I hang out with? How do you make a wise choice today? I'm going to assume a couple things in this. Number one, that you are walking with Jesus. That you are studying the Bible and having those deep desires turn to be more like Christ. Because that's the key. But then after that, let me get four steps for making wise choices. What should I watch? Who should I date? What should I listen to? Number one, when you come upon a choice, what should I watch? What should I listen to? That sort of thing. Think, number one, is this thing mentioned in the word? Is this mentioned in the Bible? Because some things are, and it's pretty cut and dry. Like if you're thinking, should I date a non-believer? Is that mentioned in the word? Well, there's principles to guide that in the word. Uh, You know, you think don't be unequally yoked. That's a no-brainer. You don't have to go any further than this first step if it's already mentioned in the word, right? Um, so there, there are several things that are, I mean, like a, I'll look at 2 Timothy. It says this, 
All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So a lot of times when we come up on a daily decision, it's already mentioned in here, so it's a done deal, all right? Second thing, second step for making wise choices. If you come up on a daily choice, get wise counsel. Get wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. When you come up on a daily choice, you, sometimes you need perspective. Should I be dating this person? Should I be hanging out with these friends? Sometimes it's good to get wise counsel, get outside perspective, because we get in ruts of thinking. Number three, third step for making wise choices on the day-to-day. Pay attention to your desires. In the end, we do what we want to do deep down, not what we intend to do in our minds. We do what we want to do. Really, it's our desires that drive our action. So we need to pause and say, why do I want this? Because it's always easier to give in to lower urges. Now, there's a billion things that you guys are facing today that aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible, right? Is Instagram mentioned in the Bible? Nope. There's so many things that aren't mentioned in the Bible that we need really kind of a sanctified common sense to where as we're reading the word, you know, Romans 12 uh, talks about our minds being uh, transformed. We'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can apply biblical truth to things that aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible. So when you come upon a daily decision, first think, is this mentioned in the Bible? Second, get wise counsel. Third, pay attention to your desires. Why do I want this thing? And the fourth thing is use wisdom. Now this might seem like, all right. So you're telling me make wise choices. I need to use wisdom. That, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Well, what is wisdom? You know, one, one definition of wisdom is knowledge applied, knowledge applied. Which means it's not enough to know something. You got to actually do what you know to do. Uh, John 13, after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Man, there's so much in the Bible about wisdom. Get wisdom. Ask for it. Because right information doesn't necessarily lead to right action. We can know the right thing to do, but wisdom actually does the right thing. Hebrews 5 talks about this. 514, it says this, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So since that verse says for us to practice, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a stupid illustration. What should you watch tonight? Now, I know many of you guys do not watch TV, but I'm trying to take something that everybody will know what it is. All right, so if we're coming up on a decision, what should we watch tonight? Let's take this four-step decision-making process to determine what should we watch tonight. So let's say the choice that you have are between three less-than-ideal shows, all right? Let's say the choice is, should I watch Game of Thrones? Should I watch The Bachelor? Or should I watch American Ninja Warrior? Now, you may be sitting there saying, uh, none, none of these items. Okay, great. Whatever, but this is just for illustration's sake. I tried to pick three shows that everybody kind of know what the content is a little bit. So let's take this four-step decision-making process and walk through this. All right, number one, the first step, is this mentioned in the Bible? Now, are TV shows mentioned in the Bible? No, you're in the clear. No, not really. 
because the content for some of these TV shows may be mentioned in the Bible. Even though you may not have seen Game of Thrones, you know there's a lot of sex and nudity in there. Is that mentioned in the Bible? Yes. So actually, this is probably a no-brainer. You probably shouldn't watch that one. Now, think about The Bachelor. There is a lot of sex in The Bachelor. Even though some body parts aren't shown, there's a lot of sexual immorality in that show. So is that mentioned in the Bible? Yeah, that's probably a no-brainer. Is the content of American Ninja Warrior in the Bible? Not necessarily, but it kind of steers your decision on which shows should you stay away from. Is that making sense? So the second uh, part in our four-part decision-making is, first one is, is this mentioned in the Word? Now, these TV shows aren't, but the content may be that we should, seriously, there's some shows, there's some accounts that if you're seriously trying to be like Jesus, you need to avoid. There's some shows you cannot watch if you're trying to seriously be like Jesus. Now, so the first one pretty much rules two of those out, but the second one is seek wise counsel. So you might get some outside perspective. So let me be your wise counsel. You should not watch Game of Thrones. It may have a good storyline, but there's too much at stake there. You should not watch The Bachelor. It may be entertaining and hilarious to laugh at people's misfortune, but there's too much sexual immorality in there. I would advise you don't watch that show. The third thing, pay attention to your desire. Here's a big one. This is a big, the third step is really big. When you come upon a show or something you want to watch, things like that, like pay attention to your desire. What's drawing me to this? Why do I want to see this? Why do I want to hang out with these people? Why do I want to entertain myself with this? When you think about this, what's usually drawing you to Game of Thrones, maybe, even though that show's been over for a couple seasons, what might draw you to that might be, it's a great story. I want the story. Or it might be, the costumes are fantastic. But here's where we got to weigh out our desires. Is your desire for entertainment greater than your desire for holiness? That's a big one to weigh out. And number four, the fourth step in this is use wisdom. All right, given the, th- the information from these top three things, use wisdom and decide what show should you watch tonight. Now, you may have to stop and think about this four-step decision-making process, and it might seem robotic right now, like every time you turn on the radio, all right, is this mentioned in the Bible? Should I seek wise kind of, hey, should I listen to this? Oh, it's over. Uh, you know, like it, should, it might seem robotic for now, but it's going to become more habitual. And as it does... It's going to help you to make these large life decisions. Now, I want to talk about, in our last couple of seconds here, I want to talk about what about these giant life decisions that you guys are going to have to make in the next five years? What about these huge life decisions? Let me pause and say this. If you are making daily wise decisions right now, if you're learning that habit, these big life decisions, they're going to take care of themselves. They really are. You're not going to have to sweat them. But... Since those decisions are coming up on the horizon, let's talk about them for a second. What do you do with these huge, where should I go to school, what career should I have, who should I marry type decisions? Man, so many times when we come up on these decisions, we wish we could tell the future, right? I wished, man, I wished I had a crystal ball 20 years ago because I was really, this is my 20th summer at Snowbird, which is crazy because that's longer than y'all been alive, but... uh, Man, 20 years ago when I was trying to decide, should I come here or should I go to this place in California? I was paralyzed because I really wanted to make the right call. I really wanted to please God. And I wanted, to be honest, I didn't want to be in some sorry job. Like I didn't want to be unhappy. 
I wanted this to work out well. So I wish I could see the future. And if I could see the future, I'd see 20 years into the future and here I am preaching to you guys and life's great. I'm married. I got three kids and everything's great in the world. If I could have seen that in the future, that decision would have been easier. Here's an interesting thing to think about. God could tell you the future, but he doesn't. He could. He knows it. He wrote it. He could tell you the future, but he doesn't. Why not? Why not? There's a quote by a guy named Tim Chalice. He says, God doesn't comfort us by showing us the future, but by showing us himself. That's really good. He doesn't comfort us by showing us the future, but by showing us himself, which means that God doesn't want us to hope in our choices. He wants us to hope and trust in him. That's why the uncertainty. That's why he doesn't tell us the future. John Bloom says, because he places a higher priority on our being transformed than our being informed about the future. So let me give three priorities real quick. Knowing that God could tell us the future, but doesn't because he wants our faith to be in him. Let me give three priorities to keep in mind. When you got to decide what career path am I going to choose? What school am I going to go to? What these huge life decisions, let me give three priorities. Number one, ask yourself, how can this decision maximize Christ and the gospel? How can this school or this job, how can it maximize Christ and the gospel? What does that mean? Meaning, is this choice going to bring you closer to Jesus or not? Is this school, is this career going to bring you closer to Jesus? And the second part of it is, is this choice the best way to make Christ known? There's a lot of different ways to make Christ known. Is this the best? Is this the best way to maximize Christ in the gospel? That's the first priority to keep in mind, the big decision. Number two, when you come up on big decisions, do the most obedient thing, which is not always the easiest thing. This is where wise counsel can give you an objective opinion because we get wrapped up in the emotions of it. But wise counsel can have an opinion where they're not wrapped up in the emotions of it. And they can help us to see what is the best decision, the most obedient thing. And the third priority in these big decisions is accept uncertainty. You will never be 100% sure on the front end. You will never be 100% sure that this job is going to be the right one, that this school is going to be the right one. So don't sit there and look at all the things that could go wrong. Don't sit there when you're in this job and wish you were in that one. Just be positive about where you're at and don't second guess. Trust God because that's the point of uncertainty. You are supposed to feel unsettled so that you place your trust not in this school, not in this career, not in this spouse. You're supposed to place your trust in Christ because you're not in control either way. Now, these things only work if you've trained yourself for godliness with these little life decisions, these choices that change you little by little. So let me recap what we've talked about so far. Your choices change you. Every time you choose, you're changing yourself a little bit. So train yourself for godliness, among other ways, with your daily choices. When you come up on those daily choices, use the four-step decision-making process. Look at the word, get wise counsel, pay attention to your desires, and get wisdom. And as this becomes habit and the big life decisions arise, think, how can this decision maximize Christ? Do the most obedient thing and accept uncertainty, knowing that our hope isn't in this choice, it's in God.